that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you, what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So as you're probably aware, when the Bible uses the word saint, it means all of those who have faith in Christ Jesus, the whole great mass of Christians. But the church has um, taken this word and has given it a more specialized meaning in its normal usage. And when we say saint, usually in everyday speech, what we mean is those who, not just those who had faith in Jesus, but those who really and truly lived their faith in Christ Jesus. That, as it were, when we received the gospel, we all got the million-dollar check. But the ones that we call saints are the ones who actually cashed it in, right? who actually lived into the gift that has been given us. Those who practiced and demonstrated a heroic commitment to Christ, whose lives, as it were, in a way, small um, refractions and embodiments of Christ's own life. And in God's pleasure, he allowed many, many of these that we call saints, this was in a specialized uh, definition, he allowed many of them to come to some level of fame so that people, souls, could be inspired towards godliness by their own following of Christ. I say fame because the glory is never goes to the saint. Right? The glory is God's. It's God working in the lives of his people. But they acquired some fame. And because of that fame, we customarily put saints in front of their name, right? St. Paul, St. Luke, St. Francis, the, fam- the big famous ones, right? But by far the greater number of actual saints, those who really lived into the gospel, who really gave their life whole, wholly and fully to Christ, um, never achieved any fame. It was God's purpose that they remain hidden. And they lived their faithfulness to Christ in a hidden and quiet way. And so... This is sort of what's in view on this Feast of All Saints. It's not just all of the saints who we might happen to have not remembered their feast day in the calendar year, although that's part of it, um, but all of the hidden saints, the ones that will never have any fame on earth, but who have a great joy uh, in heaven and have given great glory to God with their lives. They are actually, all of them, every saint, every Christian who has clung to Jesus Christ is right now in heaven worshiping Jesus, alive and conscious, and enjoying um, an unimaginable degree of happiness. Like, think of the happiest you've ever been, the best day of your life, the happiest day, and times it by infinity. (laughs) Like, we don't, it's how we, we actually don't have the mental container to imagine the bliss of heaven. But that is what the saints are enjoying right now, worshiping the Jesus that died for them, just as we worship Jesus on earth, because he died for us. And, it's useful for us to extend our sanctified imaginations up into heaven to sort of picture to ourselves the saints. Um, Paul, St. Paul uses the language of the eyes of the heart, right? To look up into heaven and, as it were, to try and see this enormous multitude that we heard read in Revelation, the enormous multitude from every tribe and every tongue and every nation all around the earth praising Jesus. Because those saints in heaven will be, by God's grace, our neighbors forever. We will be with them forever. So it's useful to get to know them now. The, um, as this is a little uh, prompt, uh, I wanted to give you uh, two suggestions, just in terms of seeing 
the glory of God in the lives of his saints. One is that we're going to pray in just a minute a Thanksgiving litany for some, some of the sort of the big, the big ones, the saints of the past. And um, I printed out a list of that. So on the way out, if you want to grab a copy, you can look those up on Wikipedia or something and, and find out about some of these great saints of the past. But another great end to the lives of the saints is to think about the saints who bear you, your name. Right? Your name, maybe your first name or your middle name, and just sort of think, well, who else has carried this name and given glory to God with this name? I was, I'm glad a few of you showed that I thought might, because I was thinking about this in advance. So, for instance, to give an example, if your name is Charles, um, there's St. Charles, who was actually a king in England who died for the faith. And his dying words were, his son was a teenager, he was beheaded. And he looked at his son and he said, remember to forgive them, remember. And 12 years later, that son grew up and became king again after the long parliament, and he did. He didn't exercise vengeance, as you would expect someone to have done. What a testimony, right? Blessed are the merciful, for they'll be shown mercy. That we see in the lives of saints all these particular instances of what God's goodness looks like. Time would fail to tell of all the saints. Um, if you're curious, the church has sort of traditionally gives the, given the, like the name saint to 22,000. There's 22,000 out there whose lives were so exemplary and inspiring. From St. Perpetua, the young mother martyred in the Roman amphitheater, to St. Cuthbert, who would spend each night neck deep in the Irish sea chanting psalms, to St. Lucy of Syracuse, the namesake of our own Lucy, who, when godless men wanted to assault her because she was trusting in Jesus and she wouldn't renounce her faith, God made her so heavy that they couldn't move her. She was too heavy to be assaulted. She was protected by God, her shield. To St. Elred, who spent his whole ministry teaching monks how to be truly friends. All of these saints are right now alive in heaven. And we, when we think about individual particular ones, it helps us flesh out our sanctified imagination to see them and their faithfulness to Christ that they exhibited on earth. Them and us, all of us who truly trust in Christ, we have an inheritance right, that awaits us. I, know, I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where there's some relative who you've heard might have some money and you're like, oh, is there going to be any inheritance coming? Right, This hope for gift. But we have actually this hope for gift, an, an enormous treasure trove of riches, an eternity of peace and joy in God's presence awaiting each of us. That's the promise of the gospel. But it's actually not what Ephesians 1.18 is about. That verse that I just read a minute ago, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, the his in the verse is God's inheritance. It's not, previously, a few verses earlier, it was talk, Paul was talking about our inheritance. Here's talking about God's inheritance. God himself, who lacks nothing. He, too, is actually waiting for an inheritance, a gift that he values greatly, a gift received upon the death of a relative. He's eagerly anticipating it, and that inheritance is us. It, it, it really spoke to me hearing this verse in preparation for today that God would call us his inheritance, like the thing that he's waiting for. He can't wait for us to be face to face with him in heaven. He's actually, as we read in Psalm 149, he takes pleasure in his people. He has placed such value on us and we are so noble in his sight now that we are in Christ Jesus, clothed with his righteousness. 
that he's, he, he's, we're his inheritance. We're the thing he's waiting for to enjoy for eternity. So we'll be enjoying him for eternity. That's our inheritance. And mystery of mysteries, he's going to be enjoying us for eternity. We're his inheritance. More valuable to him than all the songs of all the angels who've been singing since they were made. Because he came down just for us. That for eternity, we might, having been ransomed by him, reflect his glory and love back to him in one beautiful reflection of light in heaven forever. Amen.